Hello again, this is Matthew Brown, President and CEO of Thumbstopper.com and the host of Brown on Brand podcast. You can see that at Thumbstopper.fm and anywhere else fine podcasts can be found. I was lucky enough while my mid-season approaches and getting ready for season two to be hosted on the CMO Suite podcast by Sean Halter. I hope you enjoy. This episode of the CMO Suite is brought to you by Uconnex. Uconnex provides digital solutions and teams to brand CMOs, VPs and marketers looking for true transparency in the biddable media space. From paid social and PPC to complex platforms like the Trade Desk, brands from across the world have connected to Uconnex. Visit them today at Uconnex.com and No Kid Hungry. We're proud to promote No Kid Hungry and their many initiatives to help kids in need of meals. No Kid Hungry helps kids be kids, not be hungry. Visit them at NoKidHungry.org. And finally, we're proud that Season 3 of the CMO Suite is presented by the CMOCouncil.org as their official marketer's podcast. The Chief Marketing Officer Council is the only global network of executives specifically dedicated to high-level knowledge exchange, thought leadership, and personal relationship building among senior corporate marketing leaders and brand decision makers. The CMO Council's 15,000-plus members control more than $550 billion in aggregated annual marketing expenditures and run complex distributed marketing and sales operations worldwide. For more information on membership, visit thecmocouncil.org. Let's start the show. Thanks for hanging out in the CMO suite. The podcast for marketers who want to be in the know. Presented by Connectivity Holdings. Hello, hello, and welcome to the CMO suite. This is Sean Halter. I am your host. The CMO suite is brought to you by Connectivity Holdings. We are super excited today because we have with us a guest. It's a buddy of mine who I've actually known for almost, gosh, I feel like almost a decade now. It's Matt Brown. Matt Brown is a what I would consider a serial entrepreneur specializing really in the software space. We're going to dig into some of his background, a lot of the stuff that I feel like has been really interesting that I've seen with him along the way. Officially, he is currently uh, the president and CEO of Thumbstopper.com and chairman of LotVantage.com. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Sean Halter. I appreciate it. Thank you. I get my first and last name in there. So it's semi-formal today. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to dig into really kind of how we got introduced with a couple of your companies. But before we do that, uh, I love to sometimes actually just dig into how you got into this uh, crazy business to some extent. So did you grow up here in Florida? I don't remember if you're if you're Florida born or not. Yeah, I mean, I like to say I'm Florida born. I'm originally from the Midwest. And, um, you know, but I've spent most of my time in Florida. My grandparents migrated down here uh, in the really the early 90s. And um, I followed as a child. I was very close to my grandparents and ended up uh, on the west coast of Florida in Venice, Florida, Venice and Sarasota. And uh, so that was my old stomping ground, I call it. And did you move down here, your parents and everybody else moved down here or your grandparents lived here and you went and lived with your grandparents for a little while? Yeah, most of my mother's side of the family is in Florida today and my father's side is uh, all up north. So we're a little bit segmented segmented as a family. Yeah. But the... Uh, I think you almost said segregated. I don't know where we're going to head with that, but I guess yeah. we'll find out as we dig into the show a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Brothers and sisters? I don't remember. Yeah, I have uh, uh, two sisters and one brother. And they also live here in Florida now or they live all over the place? They, uh, two of them are in Florida and one of them is in the Midwest. Yeah. On speaking terms with most of them most of the time? Of course. Hopefully along the way. Yeah. How do well, you, how, who isn't on speaking terms I with their siblings? I don't know. It's crazy. You know, I've got, uh, I've got uh, twins, which uh, some of our listeners know. One of the most interesting or funny stories for me was when they were born, 
we were at the nurse's office uh, one day and the nurse said, oh, you've got twins. I've got a twin brother. And we were like, oh, that's great. Are you close with him? And she said, no, we don't talk. And we were like, ha, ha, ha. And she's like, no, yeah, we're, we really don't talk. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh, my God, I've got yeah, babies yeah. and this is what you're telling me? Yeah, I've got to I've got uh, to look forward to. We've got a, a person I work with here at work and uh, they've had a falling out with one of their siblings. And I'm like, I don't, it doesn't equate with me. And I don't always uh, agree with how, what my brothers and sisters sure. want to do. But the at the end of the day, they're my brother and sister. So. It's, uh, it's family that sometimes is critical, I think, in this industry and certainly you know, you're part of this industry to some extent. You you hope that what you're doing this for in some ways is your family. We all work yeah, hard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this doesn't get any easier. I don't yeah, know anybody yeah. that's in anything having to do with marketing or advertising or anything in the space that just says, man, this has gotten so much easier than it was, you know, five yeah. or six years. It just gets harder and harder. And there's certainly yeah, days when, when all of us. And it's a young man's sport today, the technology game. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's like, a, you know, it's like pro athletes at, you know, these guys are retiring at 45 years old. So I'm past retirement. No, that's a great analogy. I don't mind actually st- sticking on that to some extent. You know me, I'm not a sports guy at all. Yeah, Anytime yeah. somebody uses a sports I'm not analogy, I'm, sli- I'm not either. I'm slightly confused by it, but there's a lot about sports that does relate to everything in life. The fact that it's an old man yeah. or an old, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's a young person's game to some True. extent. Uh, you know, we've been to a bunch of events and sometimes we call these the guys in the blue coats. And so what you see is you see all these people, you're at maybe the National Association of Broadcasters or something like that. You see all these people that are sitting in all the sessions and all the seminars and they're you know, super soaked in yeah. about finding out what's happening. And then you see like five or six guys in blue coats that are kind of standing towards the back. And really all they're trying to do is just wait it out. You know, yeah. they're just yeah. trying to see, can I work, you know, the next well, two years of, and of, just not have to learn all of this. A lot of pro teams have problems because they've got guys on the payroll that haven't played in, you know, eight to 10 years. And so- you see some of these young teams that don't get into long-term contracts, and I'm not a sports guy either. But to back up just a little bit, I mean, you know, the with both business and family, you know, and everything else, and not talking to siblings, um, and you had made picture of it with the waiting on something at, at Waffle House. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm a guy that really tells people. Sometimes I always say it. Sometimes the truth isn't nice, but I like facts and the truth. Because then you get to solutions. Yeah. And the technology business, you know, not getting any easier. You know, it, it, it's people haven't gotten any easier. Technology hasn't really changed. But the amount of, um, you know, people that it takes to get on a team rowing parallel, because I can't do it alone. I mean, I tell my people all the time, I can't do any of this without you. You saw just recently where, you know, I was stumbling around in, in marketing a little bit. And that's a, it's a whole different sport than operations. And you know, you're in the marketing side of the business. It's a whole different, you know, accounting, you know, operations, even sales, you can put methodology, methodologies in place, but the game that you're in is like technology and marketing is changing so fast. And, you know, understanding all the nuances and, you know, being able to translate through the data, you know, it, it's it's full circle, but it's certainly like being an athlete. And, and the older you get, the harder this game gets. But the hard part of the game is motivating people correctly. And you try to give people exactly, you know, what they want. And the methodology I've always had is make sure the people have exactly what they want. Usually I'll get what I want out of it then. Yeah. And today that's a the cultural, you know, change that's happened with people and, and the influx of millennials into the workforce um, has really, it's, it's something's changed over the last five or six years and it, and it, and a switch has been, uh, you know, flipped and, uh, you know, it's a, so it's a, it's a whole different sport today. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I want to make sure that we spend uh, a little time, and we've got some time today. It's again the beauty of a bod, you know, of a podcast is we try to keep these about a half an hour. We've done some a little bit longer. We've yeah, yeah. certainly done some a little bit shorter. This one's going to be tough to jam into thirty minutes with I, you and I'm I. Between you and I yeah. talking, do you see how quiet I was through sitting through that? I part? couldn't believe it. Well, we're in your studio, so I'm trying to to, to be you know deferential. Uh, you were kind enough to loan us out your studio. We're recording today uh, at uh, at Thumbstopper Studio. Uh, for us, uh, again, it's Mikasa one of the- Mikasa Sukasa. Mikasa Sukasa. You guys know we, we produce a lot of our shows out of New York. iHeart Studios there. We had an opportunity to come and actually use uh, Matt's studio. And I think to me, that's one of the kind of cool blessings about about the podcast industry in general. We've got you know another guest that's going to be coming in this afternoon as well for an upcoming episode is, you know, you were one of those people two years ago where you were like, I not you hate marketing, but you're yeah. a- anti-marketing yeah. to some extent. And I think some of that, that bluster that you put yeah. out there is more based on the fact that there's a lot of bullshit that gets wrapped up into it. You live in a very, I don't want to say analytical world, but sure. you know that if you go from point A and you push over to point B, that those two things are supposed yeah. to line up. It's hard to do that sometimes yeah. in marketing, but it's great to see your transformation over the last few years. Well, thank you. You don't have a cough dump button yet, you know, but we'll get you one of those. No, I don't, I don't need the cough. You know, this, but that's you have what a beautiful studio. I have always said, thank you. And yeah. number one, I, it feels good that you're here and I'm glad you use it and you can use it anytime you want to use it. I feel like we kind of made the investment and, and we've talked about locally for people who want to start a podcast. And I've worked with a couple of the NFL players who want to start podcasts and in season two, we're going to get into that of Brown on brand. Yeah. But the, um, you know, you're exactly right. And, and, and hates a rough word. Right. And, and I can remember my grandmother when I was very early on, when I used that word, she'd say, Matthew, we don't care for right. Instead of hate. So with the word hate, I, I don't hate anything or anybody. However, marketing has been challenging it and, is. and it's not just the change of marketing. The frustration that I had is we never really had the revenues to put the focus on that. And as you're building technology companies, they're so stack heavy with labor and the front investment part of it, that marketing automatically gets neglected. I'm working on this um, synopsis from Mark Fratello on this getting over- He's a buddy of yours and an investor in your company itself. And a buddy of yours. I know him as well, yeah, absolutely. And the the sales chasm of getting the, um, the, the, the early beta, they call it and getting customers on a platform of a technology that you've built that's new is, you know, a challenge in itself. But what the real challenge is, is getting, uh, the early majority and the early majority of a vertical or a group of, uh, you know, businesses in, and we've, we've focused on the motor space, you know, primarily, but as you know, we've reached way outside that now into retail and, even things like firearms and farm and garden, you know, et cetera. But the getting, it takes marketing to get that early adoption. And there's no, you know, I've seen companies do it where they can penetrate it through guerrilla type warfare <clears throat> in sales. And we did it with Lot Vantage for years. But really, when you start to fundamentally figure out marketing, you know, things change. As, as you know, incoming leads, people that are interested in about your business because they heard about it versus a sales guy that's cold calling them. Sure. It's night and day. And that, well, go ahead. No, the only thing I think I was going to say to that is, you know, marketing to marketers is one of the toughest, toughest things to yeah. do out there. You know, when you were, you know, when, when you've built I, these I other hired companies. a ton of agencies and let me tell you something, I would say that 75% of the agencies out there are, they have a methodology in place. And when you have a enterprise software business, 
sometimes those methodologies don't work. As you know, like you're working on some stuff for us sure. now at the enterprise software level. And, you know, it's very different than, you know, marketing a local law firm or a group of restaurants yep. or, a, you know, a, a jewelry enterprise or, uh, you know, so it's just, it's just very different well, on, the, business on the business to business, to business level is, yeah. yeah, it's so tough. It gets tricky for a couple of reasons. Uh, and again, I, I want to uh, make sure that we help uh, people to understand uh, not only the entrepreneurial aspect of what you've done, but uh, specifically the Thumbstopper concept itself and how that's sure. really been uh, introducing to some extent a lot of content development. You know, every marketer that we talk to, every CMO that we talk to, every VP of marketing that we talk to, they know that content is king. That's not going away. That is one of the beauties to me of how advertising and marketing has changed from the days where you're just trying to sell somebody something and convince them yeah. uh, to try a product to helping them solve not not sell something, right? right? What, right. what do I need to solve? How can I uh, get introduced to a brand? How can I understand how they can help me with whatever it is, mm -hmm. whether that's on the business to business side or the business to consumer side. But to your point, I think one of the trickiest things for agencies with any brands is when you're launching a new brand, that's hard where there's no historical to work from. And yeah. that's hard sometimes, certainly for people like you that are an entrepreneur. Pioneering a market yeah, too that doesn't exist. Though. You're pioneering really. a marketing that doesn't exist. And at the same time, you know, when we pick up a client on the agency side that says, look, I, you know, my budget last year was $2 million, but I don't think they did a good job yeah, with yeah. that. We'd love to think that we're amazing and beautiful that, you know, the yeah. agency piece that we own. The reality is anybody could look at a $2 million media spend and pick some things out to go, well, this was weird. Why did they do that? But when you've never had really any kind of marketing spend, right. Right. the hardest part sometimes is to make sure that you're giving good a lot guidance. of the, lot of the capital spend is going to be, uh, you know, beta finding, testing. Yeah. And, yeah. Finding out what works. Yeah. yeah. And that's so hard, you know, it's yeah. hard for, uh, for anybody that owns a company, no matter what the size of that is for anybody, even people that they trust to say, well, give me a million dollars so I can test this out. Yeah, yeah. You know, the rub for us sometimes, a lot of times we'll just say, no, we just yeah. won't take clients like that. Sure. Not because we don't think we can do the work, but it's because it's hard to explain the work yeah. sometimes. Well, you dilute yourself too on things sure. that you know you can make hay for. Sure. And really, you know, you're not going to outrun a reputation and you want the reputation of your agency yeah. to be something that's delivering results and, you know, increasing revenues. At but, the same time, you want to take a risk every <coughs> once in a while, right? And so you, you have to. You, yeah, you pick yeah, a couple people yeah, out, a yeah, couple brands out, yeah. and you say, you know what? If I can be honest and open and transparent about what we're doing, hopefully we can point them in the right direction. Yeah, and yeah. We can try to be um, respectful of the dollars and try to spend them as respectfully as we can yeah. to show them how this uh, kind of works. And sure. if you do it right, then it's lightning in a bottle. And sometimes it's sometimes it's not. You navigate from there. So let's talk about Thumbstopper for uh, for yeah. for a bit. So I want to make a comment though on the please, tail end of that. The, so back to the sales. It's your and, studio. You know, and thank you. The, yeah. Back to the sales and marketing side of it. I've always found it easy to. Um, get on the phone with what I would consider a potential customer and come up with a pitch. And that's how our sales department operates, right? We come up with a pitch and then we pitch the pitch. And sometimes the pitch modifies as the, the list of services that, that we have expand, you know, but for the most part, sales is a direct parallel path to, you know, a transition or a transaction. Agreed. And marketing is completely different. The, you, you know, think about everything that you live in today. Not only do you come up with a pitch, but now it's like, which creative and the copyright, you know, the written description that people are going to read. And then, then from that, they land on a landing page or a website. And then what's that say? And is it converting? I mean, it is a true science. Yeah. You know what, what you guys do on the marketing side. And, and I'm eager to learn more. I, you know, teaming up with Vaynerchuk and, and their group, 
that's why we did that, right? Yep. We want to team up with what the, you know, what we considered the hottest agency in the U.S. from a private standpoint. And, um, you know, the things we're learning in marketing, there's so many pieces. So I got a whole new respect for the game. Well, just even. And then getting them to work together, yeah. sales and marketing, because now I have marketing people and salespeople. And as you know, now we have a whole nother science of going, okay, how do you keep sales focused on sales where they're not going, oh, our pitch doesn't really need to be the pitch. We could be talking about this marketing piece. No, you stay the course. The whole idea is this thing's going to fill the funnel for you. So, you know, it eliminates the amount of cold calling you have to do. Having you, having seen you really for the last two or three years, though, start to really gain an understanding of that, uh, Matt, you know, again, we've had massive national clients. We've had clients of all shapes and sizes. There is a beauty sometimes as a marketer to have somebody who, who asks a lot of questions and yeah. they ask a lot of questions because they want to make yeah. sure they understand it to see you evolve from that to somebody who could sit across from me, have again, an extremely intricate understanding of how the levers actually work yeah. to the point where now you've got your own podcast, Brown on brand, where you're talking yeah. to all kinds of different businesses and business owners and, and you're getting into the space a bit. You've built a fantastic and beautiful studio. And to me, if there's nothing else that you take away from that, it's the fact that you're learning that marketing I'm start, is important. I'm starting to know? take it real serious. You know, I've been blessed with companies that have done well. Yeah. Um, I now have the money to invest. So in the early days, I was spending money maybe a little wiser uh, in some, some capacity. But we're in the testing mode. We're the clients now. And keep in mind that I took, you know, 20 million bucks worth of spend over the last 18 months from customers all over the globe. You know, so 6,000 auto dealerships, um, you know, another 5,500 retailers and 30, you know, major brands that are now doing social media and digital advertising with us and wanting to expand that. So I've, I've not only had to learn it for myself, but we've been deploying it. And you've seen how we've ramped up the kind of the operations and marketing team internally. It's now my biggest department by far. Yeah. You know, my marketing department went from maybe one or two people and not taking it seriously and help with, you know, great agencies like sure. yours and other agencies and some not so great. Um, you know, but it's it's transformed into that's all we're focused on today. You know, it's where we're in for a land grab and the way we're connecting brands and um, or manufacturers and the retailers is it's working and we're getting good results and you know, social media, as you know, that's changing a lot of things. That's not the end all. Yep. It's not the, it, and it's not even for some businesses, right? That are, sure. you know, necessity, commodity type businesses. You know, how much lifestyle can you get across on social media? And can you stop the thumb? Can you thumb stop these people? Which is obviously where you came up with the name itself. That's is where thumb stop. How do you get people from. to pause long yeah. enough? So uh, to stay on that topic for just a second, I think there were a few things that you said in there. I don't, I, um, I want to unpack a little bit. One of which yeah. is, you know, you built Thumbstopper out as an opportunity for brands to be able to generate um, uh, uh, brands that already have content that that are out there. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, let's rewind so a little use bit. So an example. So sure. Thumbstopper was built inside a LotVantage. LotVantage uh, serves the motors industry, and that's everything. Passenger cars, trucks, power sports, marine, RV, farm and garden, golf carts, trailers, anything that has wheels and or motors, as eBay refers to it, the motor space. LotVantage is hyper-focused on that. They were hyper-focused on classified marketplaces because it was usually a pain in the ass to manage a lot of inventory on classified marketplaces like Craigslist yep. and eBay and now Facebook Marketplace and LetGo and OfferUp and the other half a dozen things that you see on TV. 
you know, the local, there's a Mormon Craigslist right now in Utah. It's no a idea. real deal. It's local. Yeah. It's, it's got massive penetration for the local dealers. So the, it's changing so dramatically. And we saw that change coming. And, and a big part of what was changing is social media was really, you know, I read yesterday that the average American is going to spend a year and seven months of their life on Facebook. That's crazy. Right. A year and seven months. Yeah. You know, you see the 153 minutes and you see the two hours a day. You start or, talking you know, whatever years and it's a yeah, different Yeah, you start number. talking about how much you're carving out of your life. So that impact, I mean, you know, let's not talk about whether it's good or bad. It, it is what it is. It's not going to change. Will it be Facebook? Who knows? Who cares? Instagram, It'll be other TikTok, social whatever media. it is. Social you know, media is here to stay. Right. Wherever the infants and the eight-year-olds are going, that's where the adults go. That must be cool, too. And then they download the Snapchat. We always use the analogy of a nightclub. You know, the, the by the time you know what TikTok is, yeah. is when the, you know, is when yeah. the younger people have already left. You know, it's yeah. not the cool club anymore. But yeah. To your point, then you develop some stopper you know, from that. At some point, those young people grow up too, and they all they end up on Facebook. Statistically, that's yeah. what you know the, the stats are telling us. The um, so you had lot vantage, and yeah, then we you had decided to add this so, social piece. Well, yeah, and so we're looking at social media and go. We have to start taking social media serious. And this is back in 2016, and this is long after I had had conversation with you. I think social media is goofy to help small businesses, and it was early. There was nothing you could do on social media in 2016 to help businesses sell their inventory. It, it was just right at the brink of having the business manager and the advertising interface. And the main thing that I wanted to do is what I was finding is, chances are if you went and searched a local business on Google, and that's what everybody does, yep. whether they need directions or the hours or the phone number, you know, they start with a search, they look for a business. And what we started to see appear back as early as 2016 is not only did their website show up, but their Facebook page showed up. And so I started to go, you know, into some of, um, you know, the Facebook pages. And what I realized is 90% of the retailers that had Facebook pages didn't have any content going to them. Or not great and content. that yeah. drove me crazy, you know, because I was like, wait a minute, we're dealing with 8 million vehicles. This is the same stuff. It's content. Let's ensure that small businesses, and that was the birth of Thumbstopper, ensure small businesses had a, a connectivity to content. So when people searched their business and landed there, if you landed at their website and you clicked on view inventory and there was no inventory there, or their homepage you know, showed a hot dog uh, fundraise from yeah. 2012, what are you going to do? You're going to bounce. Yep. And that's why the industry calls it bounce rates. And so I found myself bouncing, and that's where Thumbstopper was born. And of course, it's grown now to connecting the manufacturer content with their retailers, you know, because they've been so disconnected, it became so popular, it grew so fast that we spun it out a lot vantage. And today it's its own entity. Um, I've turned, as you know, lot vantage over to I hired a, a vice president, you know, an operator, we call it a divisional vice president internally, but you know, a president, uh, Jim Jabay to yep. hire lot vantage or run lot vantage. And I am fully focused on Thumbstopper and uh, my relationships with eBay and seller vantage. I think one of the interesting things about Thumbstopper, and then we'll jump into kind of where you feel like the industry <coughs> is headed. One of the interesting things to me is, again, there's an automation aspect to it. I think for a lot of CMOs that are out there, again, whether you're the CMO of a, of a massive group or you're the CMO of a, of a smaller company, you're still trying to figure out to Matt's uh, you know, point, how do I utilize social media in ways that make the most sense? And are there, are there ways to create automation to this that makes sense that don't just feel like, oh, somebody's just pushing a bunch of crap onto their social media page. Yeah, yeah. I think you guys That's have done important. a really interesting, um, you've built out an interesting technology to be able to 
to kind of feed that in there yeah, yeah. in ways that feel seamless, which again, probably goes back to yeah. some of the early days of your entrepreneurship and kind of that evolution to being at a point with a product that really marketing can help and transform with. And I'll, I'll wrap that thought with this piece, which is just, you know, again, seeing you um, embrace marketing to some extent, I think yeah. that what's happening is you're starting to realize that you can only have so many boots on the ground. You can only have so many call centers if that's what you're using for calls. Sure. Uh, but utilizing, we don't use call centers. Great. Utilizing, never, never have utilizing marketing can provide you a whole army of pushing out knowledge and understanding of what it is that you're trying to do and just help people to understand what that is earlier in the funnel process. Yeah. So that, so that it works like a normal business to consumer funnel, sure, which is sure. you start with brand and then you yeah. help work them through understanding not just brand, but then how does your brand interact with what they need? And then you work them down to the point where then you're not calling them for the first time trying to sell them something. They're yeah, either yeah. searching you out or by the time you call, they've already been a warm lead. Right. And it's a lot easier to be able to close that lead if you can maneuver your way through finding that audience yeah. and investing the right amount of money, then it it does work. Yeah, you know? yeah. A competitive space, certainly to some extent, what you guys are doing with Thumbstopper sure. is different than what a lot of others have out there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's always interesting to see just the, the level of automation of, that's out there. There are a ton of social media solutions out there. And um, some of the agencies have them and they kind of handle them and they're laborious, if you will. And the, uh, you know, but but to back up a little bit, you were exactly right. The It's a big responsibility when you're connected for a brand and the retailers and what you're going to share up there. And I didn't want to be in the business of just sharing, you know, random things and the you know, the first hurdle we had to get over is how do we build, you know, AI or artificial intelligence to know what should be going where. And some of it's very easy. Some of it's geolocated. Like you're not going to have snow plows at Tampa Bay Power Sports, yeah. right? And snow, and snow blowers. And, you know, some of it's very difficult. It's depending on what type of inventory, you know, that dealer sells and then what else is going on, uh, you know, on their Facebook page and, and what's been shared. And then it takes into consideration what other retailers are around them, how far retailers are. So they, you know, the AI side is a big responsibility. The second piece was, as you pointed out, the ability to scale. We have to, we had to put a program together that when we connected to a manufacturer, that in 48 hours, as long as the manufacturer ran our playbook and we give the, each brand and manufacturer a playbook when they sign a contract, and if we run that playbook, we get 85% penetration of their retailers and we can ramp it in 48 hours. Yeah. So we put, you know, 550 retailers on a program that we're posting content through the AI intelligently, you know, with the playbook and onboarding processes. So those were the two, two big hurdles you pointed out. One of the things that I felt like was important, um, uh, and uh, I'm going to uh, ask one other question and, uh, and then we'll uh, wrap the show again. Matt Brown, uh, CEO of uh, Lot Vantage, a serial entrepreneur to some extent, has built some really incredible companies. One of the reasons why I felt like it was important to have you on the podcast this season is one of the things I'm finding from VPs and global VPs and, and CMOs at, at, you know, at, at higher levels is they sometimes don't understand what's actually out there. And yeah. so they do have to rely upon these millennials sometimes to help them to understand, is there yeah. already a solution that's out there? Sometimes they'll invest. We had a, we had a client who invested hundreds of thousand dollars into a DSP, a demand side yeah. platform yeah. that somebody had told them they needed to build when there's 12 off the shelf products that could have been used just as easily, even more efficiently, but they got sold to, and there wasn't yeah. anybody there with either enough knowledge or understanding of what that was to be able to help them know, you don't need to build this. Somebody's already done that. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes when you're up that high, you're almost a little embarrassed 
to be Googling, is there already a product sure. that's out there that does this? But I, I felt like it was important to have somebody like you on to help them all just to understand that it's okay to search sometimes to see if there's a solution Absolutely. because there probably is something out there. <clears throat> it's a reason I don't use call centers. I mean, we're yeah. trying to attract the you know, executive level decision maker and I need somebody, that if we're lucky enough to get on the phone with that person, if we're lucky enough to get that person's attention via email, I need them to articulate a professional conversation and I don't know how to train that in a call center environment. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, I wanna wrap with this uh, last question. Obviously again, you, you, we, you know, we, that half an hour went fast, didn't it? It was that a half hour? Fa yeah. Fast. It goes quick right? in the studio, yeah. Especially with you and I. I mean, there's a lot that we could cover. I appreciate yeah. you covering uh, quite a few things uh, right, with is me. Is it only a half hour because the podcasts are that boring? Or No, we, so we've tried a bunch of different lengths. A half an hour thing. is what we found. I always heard a good sermon's 15 to 20 minutes, so. It's about the length of time that a lot of people are in their cars. And so it gives them the chance to be able to listen to one or two. Sometimes we've gone an hour. We had a few episodes last year that we went an hour, and I thought there was some great content uh, that's in there. But a half an hour seems... Hopefully you leave them wanting a little more. Hopefully you leave them kind of saying, "Oh, I wish, yeah. I wish he could have spent more time talking about this yeah, yeah, yeah. lot vantage thing." Well, or we could what do it again a hundred times if you want. I really enjoy yeah. talking about this. Stuff. Um, I want to leave with this: Who do you feel like um, is your biggest inspiration when it comes to just again waking up in the morning? You, you're running companies, and those yeah. get bigger and bigger, and those yeah, yeah. swings get to be bigger and bigger. You're not playing ten dollar blackjack anymore. You know, you're sitting and you're betting thousand dollar hands. So there must Who's have been my biggest inspiration or who, why do I do it? You no, know, who was your inspiration kind of growing up to some extent to kind of build that business acumen, uh, you know, uh, acumen within you to know that you could do this? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, who are, who my who are my inspiration? I got two teenage daughters that uh, that are just amazing and um, they influence me. They're, you know, they're they're much brighter than I am. They're much more advanced than I am. Um, you know, they They've had some of the things maybe I didn't have growing up, but they, you know, they're a huge inspiration. But I've been lucky enough to be surrounded with good people, and you know a lot of those. And uh, you know, a special mention, um, you know, Alfred Angeloni, and he's been just a. I don't know why he loves me so much, and he puts his arm around me and helps me with so many things. But I've got good people I can go to. You know, Mark Fratello, and you know, my board of directors, and you know, internal people that I've had. Um, I've just. I know what I'm weak at and I've been blessed with good people around me that have, you know, um, a lot of times when you're getting mentorship, you have to look at who's given you the, the mentoring and, you know, these people have just been very good to me and I've been able to advance and not make mistakes because, because of those people. Great point and good, uh, walk away and great way to end the show, which is sometimes we all need to be willing to kind of find out what our weaknesses are and admit that we all have weaknesses and find those people that can support those weaknesses and just make us better marketers along the way. Matt Brown, thank you so much for joining us on the CMO Suite. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for hanging out in the CMO Suite. The podcast for marketers who want to be in the know. Presented by Connectivity Holdings. You're a C-level manager. You shouldn't have to know the difference between behavioral or contextual targeting. But your agency should. UConnects provides brands and biddable teams direct access to platforms like the Trade Desk, Google, Amazon, Facebook, OTT, and more. Their U.S.-based traders can train your in-house team or provide complete transparency with no minimums and CPM-based service pricing for true transparency, something Mighty Hive, the Trade Desk, and Centro simply don't offer. Tired of being the smartest one in the room? Reach out to UConnects today for a free demo. UConnects, the world's leader in true, transparent, biddable media.